Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. What's up, everybody? My name is Aaron DeLong. I'm the lead pastor here at Simple Church. I want to say thank you so much for being here on this Easter Sunday as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. Come on, somebody. Give him a praise. Give him a shout. Let's celebrate together. Man, it's really awesome. So I know that we are, uh, first of all, here at, at the Marcus Theater. Some of you are in a watch party. Others of you are watching alone. And we want to greet you, but I also want to take a moment to greet our studio audience who is here with us tonight as well. Super excited to have people in here. You can be part of that. Uh, just go to our app underneath the events tab. You can sign up and join us for our evenings when we are preaching live. Be part of the studio audience. It's really cool. Uh, but super excited to be with you guys today for this very special Easter Sunday gathering. Um, today, before we go- jump into uh, wrapping up our series and getting into the content of the message, I want to take an opportunity that we take every Easter, and it's an opportunity to kind of ask you some questions and give you an opportunity to give us some feedback. And, and I'm going to ask you two questions. The way that you'll be able to respond to them is if you're in our online campus or if you're uh, watching by Facebook or watching by YouTube, there should be a link that is available uh, in the description of the video or a link that's being placed right now in the chat box. And if you'll click that, you'll be able to answer this first question. And it is, what are the greatest areas of stress that people are experiencing right now? And and I'm not just asking this question about your life. I'm asking, what are people telling you about? What are your friends and family expressing to you about the levels of stress? What are your coworkers stressed about? What are your neighbors stressed about right now? And if you'll help me by answering that, that'll help shape the rest of our year as a pastoral team to help us know what kind of sermons we need to do, what kind of ministries we might need to to be part of, and and what opportunities we need to take to actually meet those kind of needs. Because if those are areas that you're stressed out, then you need to know that God has an answer to each of those places where you are stressed, each of those places where you are worried and have anxiety. God has a response to them, and we want to get you connected with His best for your life in each and every one of those areas. The second question that, that I would love to ask you is, what are the greatest barriers to knowing God? Like, like, what is it? it you know, oftentimes people tell me, well, I don't know how to read the Bible very well, or I don't know how to pray. But here's what I truly believe is that everybody wants to know God. They, they want to know him and they have this longing for it. Even, even, even act, actually like a, a, a desire, like this, this seeking desire to, to, to know him. So, so what makes that hard? What, what part of that spiritual journey do you need to overcome in order to know God? Because there are some barriers that are in your life. And then, of course, I've got this optional secret. I know I said only two questions, but this is the third optional question is, if you would help me by identifying in that in that, uh, in that survey, what, what is your next step on your spiritual journey? The last couple of weeks, we've been talking about your spiritual journey, helping you identify some of the steps that you can take. And so I would love for you to answer that question. It's totally optional if you want to. And it's really not even you making a commitment to take those steps. It's really just about you identifying what those steps are and giving us an opportunity to provide you some information on what is next. Amen, everybody. So you can take a a moment to click that link and fill that out right now during this message. You can absolutely click the link. It'll open another browser window. You can save it for later. You've got a few days here this week to fill it out before we'll actually close that survey. But we thank you so much for helping us uh, as your pastoral team to love and to serve you well. It's really what we desire to do most. So, all right. Well, 
Here's what we're doing this Easter Sunday. We're finishing up this series that we've been calling What's Next? And what it's really all about is identifying that everybody, everybody watching at home, everybody in our watch parties, everybody here at the Marcus Theater, everybody right here in the studio, we are all on a spiritual journey and we all need the ability to be able to, to clearly see, and I say that very, very, very important, that we clearly see where we are, where we're going, and what's that next step for us. In fact, that's why our theme verse has been Proverbs 29, verse 18. It says this simply, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. So in other words, if they're not clear on what it is that God has for them, then they're going to try to make meaning and make sense out of their life in lots of different ways. They're going to clamor for this and clamor for that. They'll, they'll reach for money. They'll reach for success. They'll reach for sex and drugs and rock and roll. They'll try anything and everything they can in order to make some meaning out of their lives because they don't know why they're here. They don't know the purpose and plan that God has for them. So they, they stumble all over themselves. But watch this. But when they attend to what God reveals, it says, you are most blessed. So we have this tendency that when we don't know what God has for us, we stumble in our marriage relationship, we stumble in our finances, we stumble in the rest of our relationships, our friendships, our dating life, a relationship with our kids and our career, every area of our life tends to suffer and there tends to be a mess around these areas. But you know, the mess that you're experiencing isn't actually the problem. We try to treat, treat the mess like it is the problem, but it's not. The real problem is our lack of clarity around what God has for us. That's the problem that creates the mess that we're in. Because when we don't know what God has for us, when we don't know his best for our lives, we stumble. It's kind of like this. It's like fumbling around in the dark. I don't know if you get up in the middle of the night as often as I do, but I do. And I fumble around in the dark and oftentimes I'll trip over things. I'll knock things over. I'll find things in the dark, namely my dresser or the door frame, either with my toes or my head. That happens. And it's like stumbling through the dark like that and just saying, man, I need to be better at being blind. When you can clearly see, right? When you have the, the gift of sight, I need to be better at being blind. And that's just not the answer. What you need when you're fumbling around in the dark is a little bit of light. It's a little bit of light. We tend to focus on fixing the mess when what we need to do is focus on what God has for us because that clears up the mess. That eliminates the problem. Clarity, a little illumination is what leads to us being blessed in our lives. And that word blessed doesn't just mean like that we've got lots of money. It means happy. It means that we have this joyful contentment that no matter what, we experience that. That's why it's really important for you to understand your spiritual journey. So in this series, what we've been doing is we've been, we've been telling you what the journey is. We've been trying to show you that throughout all of scripture, from cover to cover, the Old Testament to the New Testament, that God has always had a plan for his people. And it's four very, very clear things. And the Bible outlines them like this. And we've been talking about them in reverse. And it's simply this. The first one was make a difference. Make a difference. The, that we believe that God wants you to live your life in such a way that your life matters. Because it's not about money. It's not about stuff. It's not about traveling the world. It's about experiencing fulfillment in life. Secular sociologists have confirmed that what we desire most in humanity is fulfillment. We want to live a life that makes a differences in other people's lives. It's so important to us. And the truth is we simply need God in our lives in order to make the difference that we were intended to. 
And we can't do that without knowing our specific purpose in that plan. That's why the next step back is to discover our purpose, right? See, you have a specific role to play. Everybody out there watching, everybody here in this studio, you all have a specific role to play. God made you on purpose for a purpose. I love that so much. God made you on purpose for a purpose. That'll speak life to somebody that is just struggling to understand why they're here, feeling like their life has no meaning. Your life has meaning, your life has purpose, and you need to let us help you discover what that is. Amen. So here's the thing, you, you can't discover your purpose if you're bogged down by your yesterdays. That's why the next step in the journey, of course, is to find freedom. Man, you need to get free from that kind of stuff. Most people would say that, that yes, I know Jesus, but they still feel stuck because yes, they said yes to Jesus. Yes, they're going to heaven, but unfortunately they're walking through this life. They're still dealing with the mess from all the decisions in their past, what they've come from. They know God, but they're bound up. They've got hangups, they've got faults, they've got addictions, and you've got habits that have not been properly dealt with. And the truth is God has freedom for you from these things. And the thing is, is I don't have to tell you this. Like, I don't have to convince you of this. You know what those issues are in your life because you know what they, what they do? They show up every year, January 1st, right? They're on that list of things that you're like, dude, if this wasn't in my life, if this was better, if I could change any area of my life, my life would be better. This one specific area is my hangup. You know what that is, but you can't find freedom. You need a power to do it. You've been struggling with it. And the thing is, is, is the freedom comes from the one who provides it. When you're in relationship, most specifically with the one who provides it. That's why the very first step on this journey is to know God. So what I wanna make sure that I do is put the emphasis on know. Because knowing God is so important, it changes everything about Christianity. In fact, Jesus, when he talked about a relationship with God, he talked about it in, uh, in reference to knowing God. Paul, the apostle who wrote most of the New Testament, he did the exact same thing. And when we talk about Christianity, I wanna be clear, I'm not talking about your rites, your rituals, your robes, your rules. I'm talking about a relationship that is based on knowing God. Jesus, when he was talking to the crowds, used this word to know. It's a, actually a Greek word because your New Testament is written in Greek. Old Testament's written in Hebrew, but New Testament's written in Greek. And he used this word uh, to know. It was, it's the Greek word genosko. And genosko means to know intimately. It is a deep, intimate way to know somebody. Uh, in fact, this word was actually a Jewish idiom used as like a a polite description of what it takes between a man and a woman to make a baby. So they would use this word gnosko, right? Like to say, so yeah, so yeah, so they knew each other that way, right? And uh, and so this word, what it means is it's this deep intimacy, right? It's it's that that they were close. And Jesus used that word in relationship with God, which by the way, culturally, that was so controversial because not because it was a scandalous word, but because traditionally the people of that day who would have heard that word, but to hear it in relationship with God, um, God was far. They understood God was holy. He was separate from them. He was distant from them. In fact, they couldn't even directly communicate with him. They had a priest that was a go-between between them and God who would come and offer sacrifices in the temple. Like they couldn't be in his presence. In fact, if the priest went in and wasn't ceremonial clean and, and didn't have his sins paid for, the, the priest would die. Like, you know, 
getting close to God was kind of like a, a scary thing. It was, he, he was distant, but he wasn't just distant. I think the people even believed that God didn't like them, that he was displeased with them. And I still think that's the issue today. So when Jesus was saying this, he was being controversial. He was saying, God wants to be close. He wants to be intimate because it was, it was against everything that they would have understood a relationship with God was about. And Jesus said that knowing God was one of those conditions for eternal life. In fact, Matthew 7, I'm going to show you a couple places where he, where he points this out. Matthew 7 verses 21 through 23 says this. This is Jesus talking. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles and in your name insert any church thing right here, right? It, did, didn't we pray prayers? Didn't we go to church? Weren't we in the live studio audience? Didn't I serve on a team? Didn't I read your book? And that's the thing. That's not it. It's not it. Many will say, Lord, didn't we do all this stuff? Man, don't be part of the many. You need to understand that your faith is not based on your works. It is based on you, who you know. So do you know him? Because Jesus sadly said this, and Matthew, or again, back to the, the text. He said, I'll tell him plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And here he uses that word, genosko again. I didn't know you. I didn't know you intimately. We weren't friends. Do I know you? you? You can't come up to heaven using my name. I didn't know you. You ain't getting in. I didn't know you. Understand this. God isn't looking for religion. He, he's not looking for you to check off a list of spirituality and, and, and things that you do to devote yourself to. He's not looking for all the stuff that you do. He's looking for a relationship with him and you. You know, my job as a pastor is, uh, is ultimately to, to prepare you. That's why I do lots of teaching. And it's uh, like I'm trying to teach you and prepare you for a final exam, right? Your professors in school do that because someday there's this final exam coming. And the Bible calls it the white throne judgment. And honestly, I think it's coming sooner than you think. I think we're really, really close. And I don't mean to scare anybody, but I think we're really close to what the end of days look like. And, and we're probably in the middle of them right now. But, but the Bible says that someday everybody's going to give an account. Like, like from the very beginning of time all the way to the end of time, like the, from Adam to whoever's last on this earth, you're going to have your day in court. Like, can you imagine? Now serving 6,147,363,722. That's me. Yeah, <laughs> that's me. That's a, that's a, I've got, it's my number. I've been waiting so long. Like, how fast is that process going to be in heaven? Like, where are you going to wait? Is, it, is, it, is there a reason it's eternity in heaven? Because we're waiting that long to get in? Like, I don't know. You ever been to the BMB and they're calling numbers? It certainly feels like eternity, but, but here's the thing. When you get in that day, when you stand before God, there's one question that's going to be asked. And it's, it's going to sound like this in some way, shape or form. Why should you be allowed in? And on that day, you need to understand that no religious answer will work. You can't tell them, well, I got baptized. I was nice. I attended simple church, which, you know, you think is the right answer, but it's not. You, you can't give answers like that. The answer is, well, I wasn't perfect, but I love God and, and I knew Jesus. That's the kind of response that God is going to be looking for. So, so, so let me make my case. Let me show it to you in a couple places where, where I, I want you to understand this is so important. First, Matthew 15 verses 1 through 3 and 6 through 9 
Check it out. This is a story about, about some of the religious leaders of the day that are approaching Jesus. And I want you to see that they came from a distance to find Jesus because they had something to say. And you'll notice religious people will do that. They'll go way out of their way to point something out in somebody else's life instead of minding their own business. You know what I'm saying? Anybody experience that? Religious people telling you, eh, you're doing it wrong. They'll go out of their way to come across the auditorium and find you. Anyway, all right. So it says this. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem. So they traveled a distance and they asked, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders, right? So here they are, they're, they're, uh, they're concerned about religious stuff, right? They're not concerned about their relationship with God. They're concerned about whether they're doing everything right. You know, they've got, got their eyes on them. And, and, and you'll see this play out in churches today where you go, well, you can't go to church because of the way that you dressed or you're underdressed or or because you've got tattoos or because of the mistakes that you've made or because of the addiction that you, you've you had or currently have or because you're just a thinner. You can't come to church because you're a thinner, right? <laughs> All right, so look what they pointed out on the out on the disciples. This was the issue that they had. It says they don't wash their hands before they eat. Now, you need to understand, whenever you came to the temple, there was a basin there that was at the door and you would wash your hands. And there was a way to do it, right? It had to be done right. And there was somebody that was standing there that watched. Because when you washed your hands in that basin, the water could not drip off the tips of your fingers. You had to hold your hands up and let the water drip off your elbows. If it dripped off your fingers, the guy that would stand in there would flip a switch, the trap door open, you would fall through, right? You're a bad egg, like you go down. You you might get stuck in the tube or sizzled like a sausage. I don't know. I don't know, That that's not necessarily true, the last part. But there was somebody that watched. And if you did it wrong, you were, you were in some trouble. Watch Jesus though, back to the text. Jesus replied, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? You nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. So here, here we are in this moment. Jesus is just flipping the script on them because they're upset about the fact that the disciples are washing their hands wrong or not washing at all. And Jesus is like, you know what? There's a, a big old command here that you're completely flipping. You're completely ignoring it for the sake of your tradition, which was not God's laws. It was man's laws that they had put in place. And so what's the command of God? Well, the command was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, your soul, and your strength. It was to love him. It wasn't about anything other than loving him. And Jesus points it out. For the sake of your traditions, you go ahead and bypass that, that, that command. He calls them hypocrites. He said, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips. In other words, they're saying all the right stuff, right? They're, they're putting forth their best effort as far as what everybody else can see. He said, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Vain, vanity means externally. So what everybody else sees, that's why the religious leaders of the day, they were known for praying big prayers and wearing long robes and had long tassels. Like they had, they wanted to appear holy. They wanted to appear spiritual. They worship me in vain and vanity. He said, their teachings are but rules taught by men. Come on, somebody. You've been in a church like that before where you've experienced that. There's so many rules piled on you before you even get an opportunity to know who Jesus is that you feel overwhelmed and you walk out the door feeling defeated like you don't belong. And these religious leaders of the day, they showed up doing religious things that others could see, but their hearts weren't in it. They're all about impressing man and not loving God. And they were pushing people farther and farther away from him as a result. Now, let me show you one more place. Let me show you one more place 
so that you can see that it's the heart that God is after and absolutely nothing more. Matthew 25, Jesus tells a parable, which is just a story that he made up to help people understand a spiritual principle. And it's Matthew 25 verses one through 12. It is the parable of the 10 virgins, the the wise and the fullest virgins. And Jesus is talking about this and he says, he opens it up and says, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like. So he's comparing the end of times when, whenever Jesus will return, right? So he's talking about that he's going to die. He's going to, and raise from the dead, he's going to come uh, back at some point in time. And this is that time. He's like, at that time, it's going to be like this. There'll be like 10 versions who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were foolish and five were wise. And the foolish ones took their lamps, but didn't take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil and jars along with their lamps. And the bridegroom was a long time in coming. So Jesus, of course, is talking about himself because when you read your Bible, you understand Jesus doesn't know the time or date that he's coming back. In fact, it says no man knows when he's going to return. That includes Jesus. In fact, we, I picture Jesus up in heaven looking over the, over the, 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 the clouds looking down and saying, dad, is it time to go? Can I go get my bride? Cause the church is his bride, right? And he's the bridegroom. He's, I'm ready to go get him. And, and so Jesus is talking about the day that he comes back. It's going to be a long time. It's going to be such a long time that everybody's going to kind of fall asleep or, or it's going to catch them unawares is what Jesus is saying, right? He's going to come back someday and he knows that all of us are waiting on him. And what happens is, of course, what happens to the virgins? And they all became drowsy and fell asleep. So it's late at night and at midnight, the cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. So everybody's asleep and the trumpet sounds and announces that the bridegroom is coming. Let me tell you something. According to scripture, that's going to happen someday. There's going to be a loud blast. The sky is going to be split open and Jesus is going to be standing there and he's going to call us all to heaven to meet him there. And, and you'll either meet him that day or you won't, but there's a day that you'll meet him at the throne judgment, right? Watch what the story keeps going on. It says, then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps because that's what they thought it was all about. They, they came to the party with these lamps and they had their oil. They thought that's what it was all about. They, they thought it was about their religion. It was, they thought it was about something that it wasn't. And it says, the foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of our, uh, some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. In other words, what the the wise virgins are telling them in this story, or maybe you'd think it may be like the the religious elite of the day. Maybe they're telling them, go do more. (laughs) Go serve more because it's all about the oil. It's all about that lamp. Go serve more. Go attend church more. Go read your Bible more. Go get something you currently don't already have in order to be in relationship with the bridegroom. It says, but while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived and the virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth. And he didn't say to them, you weren't virgin enough. He didn't say to them, you didn't have enough oil. He didn't say to them, you weren't nice enough. You weren't churchy enough. That's not what he said. See, Jesus tells this story because he's talking to an audience that thinks that's what it's all about. It's all about the lamps. It's all about the oil. It's all about our religious behaviors. It's all about our churchiness and how, how, how well we're dressed for church. How many times we went to church this year? What we did. It's not about any of that. Here's the real issue. He said to them, you don't get to join him because I don't know you. And there's that word, you know, again. It's not about the lamps. 
He says, you don't get to come in because I don't know you. So Jesus is looking for intimacy. This is what God longs for with you. He wants closeness. He wants a relationship with you. And that's what Christianity is all about. It's about being in love with a living God. It's not about an organization. It's not, it's not about building up a church. It's about knowing him and loving him simply. And here's the truth. When you're not in love with him, you'll know because some things will happen. You'll try to be in a relationship with him when you're not in love with him and you'll, you'll get a sense of powerlessness in your life. Like that stuff that you, you're having trouble overcoming or even the power to live your day-to-day life, you won't have it. And because here's the thing, when you don't know him, you won't know his power. But if you know him, You'll know his power in a very, very real way in your life. Power to break free. Power to heal your marriage. Power to fix your finances. Power to break you free from addiction. Power for the rest of your spiritual journey. That's why you need to know him. When you're not in love, you'll also experience a frustration with trying to do good. Man, trying to obey the Bible is hard. Like, I don't know if it's hard for any of you guys here in the studio, but it's hard. It's very hard unless you're in love. See, because if you're in love, it's the easiest thing to do. It's kind of like being faithful to your wife, but you don't like her. Like that's a really hard thing to do or being faithful to your husband, but you don't like him, right? The best thing to do isn't to try to be faithful. The best thing to do is to be in love. You need to work at that because there was a time you made a bunch of choices. You made decisions and structures your life in such a way that at some point in time, you fell in love with each other. Then you need to get back to that. That way, it's not work to try to not be faithful or to be faithful. If you love your spouse, you want to be faithful. This is the difference between I have to be faithful versus I get to be faithful because I want to be faithful, right? And this is what that relationship is about. Obeying the Bible will be hard if you're not in love. First John says this though, in love, if you're in love, that his commands are no longer burdensome to you. It's easy and it's delightful to obey him. But if you're not in love, you'll experience some frustration with trying to do good. And if you're not in love, you'll also experience a bit of envy. You'll be, you'll be looking at what others have and others who seem to be closer and you'll envy that. You know, some of you are, are listening today and you've been close to God, especially before this pandemic hit, man. It has been so easy to just kind of drift, to, to cease your spiritual behaviors, to cease your pursuit of your relationship with God. And some of you would identify that fire has just gone out. But it's time to renew. It's time to renew that relationship because that's all it takes is turning back. It's time to fan that flame again so that you're not experiencing this envy of what someone else has had. You can have it yourself. And the good news is you can have it. You just need to be in love in order to have it. You say, all right, Aaron, great. Thanks. I'm I'm in. What does this have to do with Easter? Because aren't we here to celebrate that? I mean, that's what you all thought we were here to talk about, right? Bunnies and eggs and candy and oh my. Look at this verse for the answer. Here it is. It's found in Philippians 3, verse 10. Paul wrote this and he said, I want to know Christ. That's that word, genosko. I want to to know him intimately and I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Because here's the deal. You can't find freedom, discover your purpose, or make the difference that you're supposed to until you know God. That's what Easter is all about. See, it's not about the bunny. It's not about the candy, the egg hunts. And it's not just, hear me, it's not just about celebrating someone else's resurrection. God doesn't just want us to celebrate the resurrection of Christ this Easter. He wants us to experience our own 
Come on, somebody, that's good stuff right there. You say, Aaron, how? Great, I'm in, I'm hooked, I want it. That's so good. How do I get closer to God? Well, there's a few steps you can take, just a few. First one, this is real simple. We're gonna wrap this up real, 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 real quickly here. First step is to love him because he loved me first. You know, God isn't waiting for you to behave before he accepts you. Let that sink in. Many of you believe the opposite. You think, I gotta clean myself up. And for you to clean yourself up before you come to a relationship with God is like my buddy John says. He, he says that, that doing that is like washing yourself in the sink before you get into the shower, right? You don't need to wash yourself in the sink before you get in the shower. That's silly because that, that's, that's Jesus's job. You don't need to get your act together to, to, to get to God. Get to God and you'll get your act together, I promise, because you need his power to do it, right? He loves you. And he is passionate about you. In fact, I would say that if God had an iPhone, your picture would be on his lock screen. And I'm going to tell you, it would be on his lock screen even after all you've done. He knows what you did last night and he's not concerned. He didn't take your picture down. He didn't block you on Insta or on Snapchat. He loves you. And he isn't after you being better. He's simply after your heart. That's what he desires most, guys. He just wants your heart. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, that means that we didn't even know who Jesus was. We didn't even know that he was the Lamb of God. We didn't know that he was going to pay the price for us, that while we were yet sinners, he chose to die for us. He paid a price that we were supposed to pay as a result of the sins that we committed, not him. And no questions were asked. He laid down his life for us. In fact, the Bible says greater love has no man than this. And if you think about it, you would agree than that a man would lay down his life for a friend. While you were yet a sinner, stabbing him in the back, nailing him to the cross through your own sins. He calls you his friend, (laughs) not a servant, not a slave. He brings you into the intimacy of a friendship with him. And he does that before you ever accepted him while you were yet a sinner. In 1 John 4, 19, it says, we love because he first loved us. The second step, if you want to know God, is to pursue him with all of your heart. You know, before I was married to Shanda, to my wife, who's just sitting right over here. She's so pretty. I don't know if you can see her on camera. She's fine. She's mine. I wanted to know her. And in order to get to know her, I had to go through a process of pursuing her and not just casually pursuing her because this was not a girl who wanted to be casually pursued. She was looking for the relationship that she was going to, that was going to carry her through the rest of her life. Am I right? I'm right. And so if I had approached her with casually, like with, you know, I'm not really sure I want to be serious. I just want to have some fun. We wouldn't be hanging out. I had to pursue her with all my heart. And when I did that, I caught her. And here's what you need to know about God. He loves to be pursued. In fact, in the scriptures, he says, draw close to me. And if you'll do that, he says, I'll draw close to you. He wants to be wanted. He desires to be chased after. In fact, he says to seek me. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So simple church, I got a question for you. What would it look like if you sought him with all your heart? How would your life change if you went all in? In fact, we talk about it around here is give us a year. Do all that we recommend, all of our programming to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And here's what we do. We slap a guarantee on that year of investing in your your spiritual journey. 
We guarantee that God will change your life if you'll attend to those things that he has outlined for you. In fact, if you don't change in a year, I'll help you find another church and I'll attend with you. That's what I'm saying. I'm just telling you, if you go all in and nothing in your life changes, I'll, I'll go with you. We need to find another church together, right? I believe in in this system so much and this, excuse me, not system, but this journey so much. I believe that, that if you attend to it, you'll be blessed. Here's the last step. Not just love him, not just pursue him, but the last step is really about commitment because you know, all relationships require it, right? At some point, you're just going to have to commit. And you know what? Commitment doesn't require that you fully understand what that looks like. It just requires you to continue to show up and to learn and to grow, right? Like when I, when I got married, I didn't understand marriage completely. Like, I mean, I had watched my, my parents, you know, live out their marriage, but I didn't understand it completely. I didn't know what it was going to cost me to be married and to be in love and to be in the relationship to raise kids. I, I didn't know what that was going to be like, but I show up. And I'm committed to it. And I continue to learn and I continue to figure it out. She makes sure of that. But some of you here today and you're listening, you need to just cross that line of faith. You don't have to have it all figured out. You need to just go ahead and make the step. Just go all in. And ultimately, here's the third step. Give him your life. Jesus said it this way in Luke 9, 24. He said, if you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. In other words, if you do everything your own way, if you try to try to hold on to it, if you try to live your best life the way that you want to live it, he says, you're going to lose it. He says, but if you give up your life for my sake, if you give me your whole life, trust him with it. You don't have to have it all figured out. You, you don't have to know exactly what that means. You just need to make the commitment to do it and then continue to take the steps to say yes to that commitment. He says that if you'll do that, then you'll save it. And here's what I need you to do. I need you to listen to me today. Christianity isn't about religion. It's not about what you can do. It's not about your works. It's about knowing and loving God. And maybe you've never heard that today. And today that's just blowing your mind. But I want it to sink in. And I want you to really understand that. Because once you do, once you understand, all of it starts with knowing God, then you can experience the power that comes along with knowing him. And that same power, by the way, is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. That, that day that we celebrate today on Easter Sunday. And that power is available for you to begin to find freedom, to understand and discover your purpose, and to use the way God has made you on purpose, with purpose, to make a difference in this world together. And man, we're talking about a God-sized difference. And so as we close, I'm just, I just want to ask for a moment of honesty. And it's a moment of honesty that I'm happy for you to share with me. If you want to click open your digital connect card, you'll find that in the, the description of the video. Or if you're in the online campus, you'll find that there. You can click the connection card and you can share this with me. But, but I really just want you to be honest with yourself about where are you at? Because, man, if you understand where you're at, then you can understand where you need to go from here. And so I would say that, that all of us are in one of four places in this room today. And I just want to take a minute to identify them. And so that you understand that you're either A, you're in a position where you already know God personally. You'd say, Aaron, I'm, I'm already in a relationship with God. It's healthy. It's strong. I know him. I love him. And I know the joy that comes from serving him and, and, and being part of what he's doing in this world. I love making a difference. I know why I'm here. 
man, if you already know God personally, that's awesome. You're, you're a, others of us, we'd, we'd identify we're, we're letter B that, that man, we would have to identify. We want to begin a real relationship with God today that maybe you've had some form of religiosity and, and what you desire most is a relationship. You don't want this form of godliness. You don't want this, this external representation of what Christianity is. You want what Christianity really is. And that's to know God. You want to begin a real relationship with him today. And if that's you, you're, you're in category B. Others of us are in category C. And I want you to know when I say this, I want you to know that this is okay. That some of you are here and you're like, I want to consider it a little more. I want to consider what God wants to do in my life. And I want to think about it. I'm not ready to make that decision today. And you know what? I need you to know something. You're welcome here. In fact, you can belong long before you believe. I love, love the idea of having a church where people can ask questions, where people can say, this is where my hangup is. This is where my struggle is. And they have the freedom to express that and to share that. A group of people that are, that are walking out life together, regardless of what you believe, because I know that, that at some point in time, you're going to be ready to take that next step. And we want to be there. We want to be part of your life. So you're welcome to belong here before you believe. So you're in category C. You want to consider what God wants to do in your life. And so I would encourage you, continue to come to church, continue to tune in, continue to listen, uh, continue to ask questions. And, and we are here for that. We are not afraid of your questions. We're not afraid of, of, uh, of your thoughts on God. And we would love to hear them. And there are others of you, though, you're in category D. You'd say, you know what, Aaron, I don't ever intend to make that decision. And if you're willing to be honest with yourself about that, and even to be honest with us, you know what, that's okay. I, I'm not threatened by that because I know that eternity has been placed in the hearts of man. That there is this void within each one of us that longs to be connected with eternal things, with the supernatural. And that's a relationship with God. And so even if that's where you're at today, I'm going to continue to pray for you. You can't stop me. I'm going to, and I believe that God is going to continue to move in your life. Maybe you'll discover the answers and maybe you'll, you'll the next time you come back to Easter Sunday, maybe you'll be in category C and you're like, you know what? I want to lean in a little more. I want to listen. Or, or maybe you'll be in category B where you're going to make, you're ready to make that decision. But, but just know that we're praying for you as a church. So, so here's what I want to do. I want to go ahead and close. I want you to be honest with yourself. Do you already know God personally? Are you, you're ready to begin a real relationship with God today? You still want to consider what God wants to do in your life? Or are you in the place where you, I don't ever intend to make that decision. Wherever you're at, if you're ready to make that decision today, let's pray together. And, and what I would encourage you to do is just to repeat the words that I'm, I'm going to give you. Uh, just, just know that the words aren't magic themselves, that, that it's your faith. It's your heart that we believe in with our, our mouths we confess. So, so, so pray these words. Say, Jesus, I need you to help me to know God in a real way. Jesus, I believe in what you did to make me right with God. Forgive me. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit and show me how to live for you and to tell others about you. Amen. Man, you know, if you prayed that prayer today, all of heaven is celebrating with you. People here in this in the studio are celebrating with you. Yeah, our online campus is celebrating with you. We're so proud of you and we're so excited. Man, welcome to the family. 
We would love to if you give us that opportunity. If you're in the online campus, click the button that says, I raise my hand, I'm saying yes to Jesus today. Others of you, no matter how you're listening, you'll find a link in the description that says Digital Connect Card. If you'll click that and mark the spot that says, I'm saying yes to Jesus, that lets us know, hey, we would love to partner with you to help you understand what your next steps are, to get you a Bible, to, to maybe talk to you about baptism and to understand what it looks like to be part of our church. We would love to, to help you do that. Even if you're not gonna be part of our church, we just wanna be part of your spiritual journey as much as you'll let us. So if you'll fill out that digital connect card, that gives us that opportunity to do that. Amen, everybody? All right, well, hey, as we're wrapping up today, I wanna to give everyone an opportunity to give. We thank you so much for your faithfulness. If you're a guest with us today, you're under no obligation to give. We're just so glad that you're here today. But if the Lord has spoken to your heart to, and moved on you to give something, you can give all these ways. They're on the screen. The best ways to do it is digital, but you can also do snail mail. Uh, you can use our website, our app. You can text to give. Uh, they're really, really simple ways to do that. And we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your generosity. It is making a massive difference in our community uh, for sure. So as we wrap up, I also wanna share that if God is doing something in your life, specifically through this message today, or even through the last last few messages, or if, man, if you've been taking a step of faith, on that digital connect card, there's a there's a button that says my share my story. And when you, if you'll share that story, first of all, that does a couple things. That that encourages me as your pastor to know that that because of this wall from this digital experience, like like because we're not seeing each other enough, I don't get to embrace you, hug you, talk to you near enough as I'd like to. I would love to know what God is doing in your life and the steps that you are taking and, and how he is showing up faithful in your life. So, so share your story with me. It encourages me, but it also is worth celebrating. So let me celebrate with you all that God is doing in your life. Amen, everybody? All right, listen, you are invited to join us back next week. We'll be right here online, actually. And then in another couple of weeks, we'll be right back here at the Marcus Theater. Look for information on that. I love you guys. God bless you guys. Happy Easter, everybody. We'll see you soon.